The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. We are live on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee and streaming online at wvfs.fsu.edu. I'm your host, Gary Pundnick, and this is March. We were given our first March Madness bracket since 2019 this last night for the men's, and we will be getting the women's bracket tonight during their select or during the show tonight because their selection show starts in about 30 seconds over on ESPN, I believe. But we'll also have some FSU baseball, softball, NFL free agency, and a little bit of NBA talk for tonight's show. We are happy to have you guys here for tonight. And as always, I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Austin Reynolds. Austin, the Hawks, they're pretty darn hot, are they not? They are, yeah. They are 5-0 and since firing their former former head coach Lloyd Pierce and promoting Nate McMillan to that same role. Uh, and per Sarah J. Spencer of the ACC, love her work, uh, they have gone from being, I think, the worst fourth-quarter team to being the 17th, uh, being ranked 17th in fourth-quarter efficiency. So uh, what is what was one of the most uh, damning aspects of this team, the fact that they, they couldn't close fourth-quarter leads, that has now disappeared, for the time being at least, and they are uh, in prime position to put themselves in a playoff position. That's pretty darn impressive. I mean, yeah. hey, I didn't, I really didn't think that Lloyd Pierce thing was going to turn it around that quick, no. just getting them out of there. But, hey, to each their own, really. It yeah. seems to be working. So that's pretty good. We're also joined by producer Sebastian Angeliano. Sebastian, what's your overreaction of the sports weekend? Well, first off, I want to say that that was the coolest intro to Tomahawk Talk. In definitely months, that Thank was you. that was cool. That like I was I had my headphones on. I have them off right now, but I had my headphones on. That March Madness music started playing. I was like, okay, I'm feeling this show. I'm mm-hmm. ready to go. I'm gonna punch <laughs> was, the wall right now. That was the point of bringing yeah. that on. We need a little bit of juice yeah, coming needed, into it. I needed that energy because I needed that energy to power my overreaction tonight mm-hmm. uh, for tonight. Uh, Florida's, you know what, you know what stinks. Florida State men's basketball. Ooh, I am. Okay, here we they go. They don't stink, but like they, I, I don't know. I, I'm. We're gonna talk about it later in the show. I'm not feeling it. I am bearish right now. I'm not bullish. I'm not. I'm not. Not buying in. All At right. Least not right now. Well, we'll get more into that overreaction, possible overreaction later on in the show here. But we're also joined in studio for the first time in a long time by Gabe Tisnes. Gabe, how are you doing? How are you? How are you holding up this weekend? I know you got your Drew Brees <laughs> jersey on. How are you feeling over there? You know, it's been it's been an interesting week. I. You know, I've been looking forward to coming back to the station, and here I am. Thank, thank the Lord for everything. But, but it's been an interesting last couple of hours. Uh, you know, Drew Brees retired last night, and uh, I was getting out of mass, so I was like, man, <laughs> coming up from pretty high and kind of going now to really low. And when the uh, Saints go marching out, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> pretty <one>. fitting. <laughs> yeah. So, I haven't really even been able to process it. I'm just kind of. I mean, I, I knew it was it was coming, so there was that. But still, it's like. Looking back, I, I he just he's done so much for the city and for the team, and I'm just so grateful. So, can only look back and, and have a smile on my face. Really, are you in like the disbelief phase of grief still at this point, or is it still kind of, or denial? Sorry, I guess it's <laughs> denial. Is he? Are you still hoping that he, there's a chance he comes back? Oh no, no, no. I I honestly wanted him to retire because I I thought it was best for him and honestly best for the team too. Because as much as I love him, I we all saw the decline in his play, and I mean he was in his 20th year after a bunch of injuries like I understand why he was declining but um either way uh I just really I'm excited for the next phase of this team you know we still have Sean Payton and the front office to figure this out 
And I know there's a lot of doubters out there that don't really believe in, in us and they, they don't they don't really think that we can <laughs> get out of this calf hell that we're oh, on. So we'll talk about that later, but it's going to be a fun offseason. Uh, can, can I just say one thing? Because the, the Falcons put out a sort of like a tribute video yeah, for Drew Brees. That. They put yeah. that on Twitter. I saw the thumbnail and I thought it was going to be just like a collection of, say, Deion Jones picking him off in the end zone on, on that one Thursday night game or him throwing five interceptions in one of the matchups in 2012. I thought it was going to be that kind of tribute video, that kind of rivalry uh, intensified thing. They showed highlights of yeah. Drew Brees making good plays against the Falcons. I'm Respect. not sure what their social media admin was thinking when they put that together because every Falcons fan that I saw was like, bro, delete this. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we do not want to see this on our timeline right now. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that specifically because uh, I'm going to obviously tell you the Buccaneers' perspective from this. And um, the Buccaneers only tweeted out one image after that announcement, and that was uh, Tom and Drew Brees like sitting or standing there at the end of the divisional game. And um, I had to like that was that was the image that kind of stuck in my head. Yeah all the way through this weekend because I'm thinking, like, what does this, like, mean? Is it out of respect? I think it is because the two are very close friends from what we've heard. Um, is it, like, a, the ultimate slight? It is the the final last laugh uh, for the Buccaneers after years upon years of, of getting, uh, you know, pumped or, or throttled or, you know, just – I. Just I don't have a lot of good things to say about the Saints. I'm sorry. I'm 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 searching. I'm racking my brains right now for some FCC friendly words. Well, but um, the lasting image that Breeze has to kind of live with is Tom Bre- uh, Tom Brady throwing touchdowns to his son in the end zone in this on the field on the Superdome no, field. For me, the, that is that is like those. That's the post credit scene. All right. Like I, I think honestly, I do respect Drew Breeze. Um, as a, like I have an immense respect for his accolades on and off the football field. All right. Um, the, the, the final image, the final Breeze exclusive image for me, uh, remains him just taking, like, turning, looking over, over his shoulder, looking over his shoulder and making one last glance at the field at the Superdome, and then finally taking his leave. That is kind of the, I'm sure that, like, both emotionally he was going to do that, but also, you know, if, if I'm taking my leave, I'm, I'm taking one last look at the field before I... Um, go into the into the superdomes, whatever. It's yeah. it it's it's a lot. I know it's a difficult time for Saints fans. Uh, Tyler Phillips, former um, WFAFS alum that we uh, we all know and love, he's changed his profile picture on Twitter at the very least. I think also on Facebook to uh, just the number nine and the Saints. I see a lot on. of nines floating around yeah, on yeah. Twitter, and it's like, okay, I don't know who you guys like, are anymore. Can't it's die, just, but all right, <laughs> you're nameless at this point. <laughs> yeah, he's but, our franchise. But uh, so they're they're mourning. Yeah, they're they are we, mourning the loss of a of yeah, a loved one. In, I guess in a sense, and um, it's gonna be weird thinking that. And and I guess we could use this as a segue if you'd like into our next conversation point. It's going to be strange thinking that, you know. Number nine is not going to be under center. It might be, I forget what Taysom Hill is. Is he number is, four? Is he seven, seven, I think? Seven, Whatever yeah, number seven. he is. He's but like seven or Jameis, one of the two, which is which is interesting. But, yeah, I kind of want to pump the brakes on this. Let's switch gears over to some FSU basketball because that's the big story, at least for FSU. Oh, okay, you want that overreaction now. Just wait a minute. Let me, let's me. let get into what happened. Let's give it a little preface here, what happened over the week. That high that weekend. the March Madness hit and gave me is, is fading fast, Gary. Great. Come on, come on. I got. You want it back? Okay, here. Here's the here's the one that gets you back here. FSU's first game of the ACC tournament, first time playing a postseason game since 2019, 
was canceled against Duke because Duke had a COVID positive. So Duke was immediately pulled out of the tournament, just like Virginia was. And was there any other? Was it just Duke and Virginia being pulled out of the Kansas, tournament? It was just those two. Just well, those two. Okay. Kansas in the Big 12. Well, I was just thinking. Just those two in the ACC. Yeah. Oh, for just talking ACC. Yes. Yeah, I was strictly Sorry. talking ACC. Sorry. No, you're good. Thank you. But um, Duke got pulled. Virginia got pulled. That meant then Georgia Tech and FSU would advance. Georgia Tech obviously advanced to the uh, championship game due to Virginia's positive in their, within their program. But FSU was able to advance on to take on UNC after they defeated Louisville. FSU, let's start with this game. FSU had a rough, a rough, sloppy game against the Tar Heels. Just kind of this, it was pretty much that whole second half that they had the first, the last, the previous time that they met up in Chapel Hill. Just the whole game, just a ton of turnovers, very sloppy play. Not great on the inside for FSU, but they were able to squeak out a win, sixty-nine to sixty-six. Then it's it just kept going downhill that whole game, really. I don't know. It never really felt like they were totally in control at any point, except for maybe a little bit in the first half. Yeah, there were some points towards the end of the first half. Uh, you, th- you think of the, the buzzer beating three by, I believe, Malik Osborne mm-hmm. uh, to stretch the lead from 8 to 11. I thought that that was going to sort of energize the guys heading into the second half. It did anything but that because turnovers, much like in the, the second meeting between these teams in the regular season, uh, early turnovers in the second half were able to get the Tar Heels back into this game, eventually let them let them take a lead and back FSU up against the wall, have them be the ones to have to go on a run, have to play defense down the stretch, which they did. I think they limited the Tar Heels to one of one of eight shooting in, in the last three or so minutes, so strong there. But, I mean, it was really, really concerning for the Knolls down the stretch. Yeah, and I was just thinking for that game, I was like, okay, this is a bad game. They played poorly against UNC this time. The next game is going to be a little bit different. Not knowing that, well, did we know? I don't think we knew at the time that Georgia Tech was going to be. Oh no, we did we, know we at did, the time. Yeah, yeah Cause, we cause kn- the game was canceled earlier yes, in the day. That, those were both semifinal days. So we okay. So Georgia Tech were taking FSU's taking them on for the second time, the, or third time this season, just like they did for UNC. It should go better, just like it did the previous time, because FSU won the first meeting in Tallahassee, lost the away meeting, and then what we what FSU did against UNC was win that third neutral site game. So that's what we all kind of assumed. I mean, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, Sebastian, what were your thoughts on watching just that UNC game? Well, the UNC game, like you said, is a continuation of kind of that that last half, that second half of the uh, the UNC game from prior. Just a ton of mediocre play, and I'm I'm frightened. I'm I'm overreacting, I think, because I've seen a lot of what you call sloppy play from Florida State basketball uh, from these past two weeks, the two weeks that actually matter in college basketball. Uh, Because one of them is tournament play, and the other one is the tail end of your season. Uh, The one that, you know, the tail end of your season, the one that determines if you actually win the ACC regular season, and those are the two things that we we here at Florida State really care about. Um, You you care about the regular season success, and you care about the the ACC tournament, which is the hardest tournament to win all year. Like, March Madness is is insane, and March Madness is just blind luck at some point. Um, But the ACC tournament, you know what you're going to deal with. Um, So you you need actual ball skill and coaching talent to win that tournament. Now, what did we see from Florida State during that stretch? We saw that they skipped two uh, teams that I feel like I would have been happy if they played. Uh, just to see how, how things would have went. You know, I, th- I think this team just as a whole needs more time. It's not just Scotty that needs more time to develop. I really hope that uh, Scotty decides to remain with Florida State basketball 
um, for next year at the very least because I do not believe he's in any capacity ready to um, to play at a professional level. Interesting take. If he if he does, it's because he wants the G League bag and he will be hmm. drafted by somebody and then immediately sent did, down. Did you see what he did against Georgia Tech? Twenty one points. <laughs> I know. I mean, a, a, a lot of those were when FSE was already down and trying to. But come still, twenty one points. Twenty one yes. points. It's still a solid number. I mean, eight for ten field goal shooting, three for three from free throw line. Yeah, and and he made both of his three point attempts, which is something that Ham and everybody who watches him has said he needs to uh, incorporate into his game. Once he gets that three point shot to be even halfway consistent, he'll be does, a, a lethal player. Does the box score track turnovers? I, like yeah. individual oh, yeah. player turnovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, I, you, you okay. That? I'll check. Here, I'll check the uh, had, the UNC game one. He had six in the Georgia Tech game, for what it's worth. Six turnovers in in the Georgia Tech game. Yeah. Which is about a fourth of what the team had overall. Yeah. So, and so then, like, you can't just say at 21 points when you've generated potentially 12 for the other that's, team. That's fair, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's a net nine. Yeah, I would I would agree with Sebastian to a point. Like, there's definitely some credibility to what he's saying because this this player came in with so much praise and so much hype, and he's he's prom- he's delivered on his promise a lot. But we still see some flaws in his game, and I mean, he could go in the draft and 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 be successful in, in the NBA long term. But maybe he just wants to stay another year to develop more his craft, and that way when he gets there, then he can actually be an impact player from the day one. Yeah, I understand wanting to maximize the amount of time that you're in the league where you make boatloads of money because you don't make a lot before, and you definitely don't make a lot after, uh, unless you're truly one of the greats and get you know a shoe deal that fundamentally revolutionizes the uh, sneaker industry. But, you know, that's beside one the guy. point. <laughs> uh, yeah, one guy. Um. My point is, is um, I'm just, you know, you, you're one truly con- wholly convincing win. That entire stretch, the two-week stretch that I've, I've been focused on, was Boston College. And Boston College is not a basketball team. They are half a basketball team. Uh, Boston College has not been a complete basketball team since about halfway through the ACC play. See, uh, the Halfway through ACC play. Uh, they haven't had a, a coach. An interim coach can, can only do so much. Um, it's a team that has been essentially underfunded. It's, it plays second fiddle in, a, in an indoor arena. It's one of the few s- schools, or Boston College is one of the few schools in the country that you can say that about their basketball program. It's like they're not the priority, but especially in like an indoor stadium. You know, football is one thing, but the big thing for everybody who doesn't know at BC is hockey. They're always, you know, um, uh, a big deal in the Frozen Four. Uh, but we're not talking about hockey. We're talking about men's basketball here. Yeah. And, well, so I want to get back to that because you said they haven't played good basketball since, let's say, that BC game. But, yeah. I mean, I want to ask you guys, where do you believe FSU peaked this year? Because obviously this looks like the downhill slide of a pe- for coming down from a peak. I said it in uh, the middle of the year right after they had their uh, COVID break after the Duke game and the Pitt game that were postponed in January They when they destroyed U- uh, NC State, beat UNC, uh, took care of Louisville, beat Clemson, and then beat Miami. I said that turn at the that uh, five-game win streak, they are peaking right now. I, th- I think, yeah, I would agree. But, but also, I would I, specifically mm. point to the Virginia game. That was yes. the other one yep. that I was going to bring I would yep. point for the Virginia game, as, you know, when you roll a national competitor like Virginia, like, that is like a, that is, I, w- I want to say, I want to, you know what, like, I, I still want to have some semblance of optimism going into the, um, going to the tournament. I don't think it's hopeless for Florida State. I actually think that their bracket really favors them. But um, uh, I, I, it, it, Virginia was was a high watermark, so I won't call it the high watermark. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say it was a high watermark. 
Um, but you, I, I don't take solace in winning ugly over unranked teams or or like ranked twenty six teams or twenty five teams like UNC. I don't take solace in that. But sometimes right my, and my right expectations now, are well. Uh, when you when you're when you're at the top of a conference like Florida State is right now, not the top because <laughs> you know in, in tournament and regular season play, right. there are two teams that have vested in now. Um, when when you're towards the top of a of a conference that's competitive, it's the ACC. Your the the sliding scale of expectations have to change. If you win a champion, or if you uh, are on pace to win a championship in an in a national tournament, or and straight up just win the ACC. Uh, one year, and then you know have a fundamental shift the next year, so that you're limping into a, uh, you're limping into the tournament instead of screaming into it. Um, you know your 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 expectations shift a bit, but I I still think that. I'm I'm going to continue to play a little devil's advocate okay. here. So you say you'd re- like be having that or being able to come screaming into an NCAA tournament is extremely helpful. But another thing you can maybe say is extremely helpful is being able to show that you can win those scrappy games down certain stretches and learn that to win ugly. Because in the NCAA but tournament, they, you're but not they didn't all do that. I know, but in certain games, they have done that. I mean, they did that in the UNC game. They've done that in games past. So showing that you maybe have that experience against some good teams, some tournament teams who have done that before, I think it can be helpful in a way. So, I mean, Gabe, I saw you raise your hand back there. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, obviously, nobody wants to go into the NCAA tournament with with bad form or anything, or even lose the, the the ACC championship for that matter. But, I mean, think about it. Nulls can learn from their mistakes, and they can learn from this little blueprint that teams have been able to put together and now use it against them and create an, another, uh, you know, plan to, to succeed going into, you know, Indiana. Yeah, exactly. The, awesome. The, the one thing that I'm wary of is just how, how quickly you can fix these problems because the, the past few weeks, turnovers have been a massive problem. I think it's 14, like, They've turned the ball over 14, 17, 18, 14. Yeah. Yeah. It's like high double digit turnovers per game. Allison Posey put out a tweet. I think it was her that said like their past five games was like 14, 18, 25, something like that. So it's, it's ridiculous. That's a ton of point production for the, like the, the value that you get out of a turnover is a, at, at worst, a four point swing and at best a, a six point swing. Yeah, it's it's really ridiculous, and like it, it's good that Ham and the players realize that they need to play more, less sloppy. They need to be more consistent in their play, have better ball handling skills. But I just don't know, like when when they're in the bubble leading up to this Friday game against uh, uh, UNC Greensboro. UNC Greensboro. I was thinking <laughs> Charleston for some reason. UNC Greensboro. Uh, when they're in the bubble, I don't know how much time they're going to be able to devote to getting better in that respect. Yeah, I hope that the the Greensboro matchup is kind of like okay, this is this is like. The standard that we're going to set through the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the matchup that uh, succeeds, the Greensboro matchup, is going to be either Colorado or Georgetown. Georgetown's yeah, tough, really hot. Tough teams. Both yes. teams are hot. Yes. Both teams. Yeah. Are, those are buzz saws, in my opinion. Yeah, that is like the that is the true litmus test of like this game, this team's ceiling. Um, that doesn't mean much when when it's a win or go home a tournament, which it always is. Um, but if let's let's pretend that in this ultimate bizarro NBA or NCAA universe that there is double elim, uh, depending on how bad or well you win that game determines the, the the true tempo of this team. It's like okay, well we can we can play teams that are significantly worse than us and, and beat them comfortably. Let's let's take a look at teams that are national competitors like we the Florida State Seminoles should be. Yeah, and so I I want to shift over now to that the Georgia Tech game because we just spent a good amount chunk of time on that. 
UNC game, and it's uh, in that game against Tech turned into a lot more of the same that we saw in UNC. It just rolled over to the next night, and it actually got even worse because yeah. you didn't have that comfortable <laughs> lead going into the second half like you did against UNC. Georgia Tech was putting it on early, and from the first few possessions, FSU, they looked stagnant, they looked slow, they just could not get any real movement, and it they got bit again by Georgia Tech. Yeah, it's it's really the same story from their first meeting, or the second meeting, honestly, mm-hmm. because until that point, that was FSU's highest uh, turn. That was the game that FSU committed the most turnovers. I believe it was 21. So, I mean, Ham said after the game that it was just Georgia Tech's zone defense that was giving them problems. Uh, FSU didn't know how to really attack that zone. They weren't confident in, in their cuts. So I don't know how much of that is just coach talk and how much of it is a legitimate issue that these guys have not been able to get over for these two games. But, I mean, when you are shooting better than 50% from the floor, from three-point range, and you have a decent night from free throws, from the free throw line, I think it was like 11 to 14, you should be winning those games. But just the wasted possessions that are the result of maybe some plays having one too many passes. I I can think of a few plays where Scotty Barnes was passing the ball to to another player, and it just went off their fingers out of bounds, or it went off their fingers into the hands of a Georgia Tech player, or something similar, something of of that nature. You are having way too many of those uh, little individual plays, individual mental lapses that is leading to you being down at halftime despite this really good shooting night. Well, and so why FSU does better against a man defense is because of their pure athleticism. It enables them to take out that big man, move him around, make him try and get into uncomfortable positions and slide in another player underneath and get an easy bucket down low. But when they can place their big man on the uh, under the hoop or on a block, it becomes much easier because now that our now FSU's big man has to go straight up against their big man. Mm-hmm. And sometimes big men just do better when they're standing still and they're just a body there. True. So FSU being able to break zone is a it's a very difficult thing, especially for Georgia Tech, who is extremely solid defensively. I mean, they're just a they're a rock. Let's put it that way. Just to be frank, they're might not they're not going to kill you with their offense necessarily, like pure offense, but they're going to kill you with those. Uh, turnover, bu- those transition buckets. So that's something that was huge for Georgia Tech in that game. And Gabe, I wanted to see what your thoughts were on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's the turnovers. That's that's the story of the game. Like, <laughs> 25, 25 to 7, to be there, exact. There's nothing else to talk about here. I mean, over the last two games, a Florida State's averaging over 21 and a half turnovers. That's just a recipe for disaster going to March Madness. And, I mean, 14 steals from Georgia Tech to just one from FSU – that that's just unacceptable and I don't think this isn't this is just turnovers also I think this is also part of playing on the road not playing at home and that's kind of a problem because you're about to go to Indiana and it's not going to be the the typical March Madness either it's going to be a COVID March Madness so I don't know how much of this uh, Leonard Hamilton can can fix on the fly with this young young group of players but I mean they already know what they're struggling with so at least they know that yeah and the bubble is actually a huge factor because most seasons for FSU, or these at least this past two years or years past, FSU, when they make it to an NCAA tournament, they're getting placed in a region close to Florida, or their first games are going to be either Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, somewhere in that area. And like last season, it would have been, I believe, Tampa. FSU was yes. going to be slotted for down south there. And that would have been two home games for FSU for those first two rounds because all those FSU fans, whether it be traveling from Tallahassee or just in the Tampa or Florida area, it would make it a home game and make it very manageable for them and make it the tuck away from tuck. And so it's going to be different because obviously it's 25% capacity all the way in Indiana. I don't know 
anyone that's an FSU fan in here or in Tallahassee, in South Florida, anywhere in the state that's traveling up north to go to this tournament. And it's going to be eerie. It's going to be quiet, just like the NCAA tournament was. And I mean, UNC had a little bit of a home field advantage because obviously all the North Carolina teams do because the ACC is based out of North Carolina. So they're, they're going to host the tournament there. So UNC and those other ones had some home field advantage, but obviously didn't help them enough in some of those games. So yeah, I really do like that point of home field advantage and just being able to feel comfortable in a shooting arena. Yeah, that's something that's been brought up in really every sport. I mean, we've touched on it with the NFL, the NBA, just the the comfort of being able to play even halfway close to home. Obviously, in the NFL, NBA, you're playing in your home stadiums uh, in March Madness and other tournaments. Uh, it's it's not going to be that way. But in a, in a normal season, like you said, you would still be in Tampa or somewhere halfway close to Florida. Like that is a really underrated part of uh, playing to your home, playing to your home crowd or in your home stadium uh, to your home state. Even in a COVID, uh, even in a COVID state, because uh, while there may not be fans, while there may not be any fans in stadiums, uh, you are still going to have that ease of access where that other teams do not. So, packing up your bags, moving to Indiana. I, I'm glad they got there Sunday night. That's at least a, a, a positive sign for them that they were proactive, wanted to get there as soon as possible to try and work on these issues for as long as they can. But still, these road wo- uh, road woes are going to be uh, a def- definite obstacle to overcome. Mm-hmm. And let's let's turn it over to some predictions for this weekend's action. We have FSU playing UNC Greensboro on Saturday at 12:45. I believe that's on True TV or True TBS. TV, yeah. But uh, what we'll- channel is True TV on? It's a channel. It's not a channel. It's <laughs> it's on the channel of True TV. No, but but what, what 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 like channel? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just know go, Google it. Yeah, go Google it. Do what everyone does nowadays. Just Google it. How many rings do they have? Uh, I don't know, but we'll find out. But either way, uh, they're going to be taking on UNC Greensboro Spartans. I'd like to say Spartans. They look like a Spartan logo. They are but the Spartans. Yeah. Perfect. I nailed that. But um, they'll be taking them on at twelve forty-five. If they win, Sebastian did mention they would be taking on the winner of Georgetown and uh, Colorado. Colorado is the Pac-12 tournament champs. Georgetown is the Big East tournament champs. So it's a good team nonetheless that could be facing the the odd man out right now. No, hey, I'm I'm, I'm dogpiling. I'm dogpiling. No, you're right, though. The odd man out, it's true. But either way, they'll they'll be taking on one of those teams if they advance. Let's hear some predictions, though, right now. Austin, we'll start with just the Saturday game. Do they win Saturday? I think they do. I, I don't know that it's a, a particularly pretty game. I think if you're going to have a, sort of a get-right game where you limit the turnovers, have some more consistency from the starters, uh, not turn the ball over as many times, Scotty Barnes, uh, that, that is the perfect game to get right because once you get deeper into the tournament, obviously you're going to be playing either Georgetown or Colorado in the second round. Michigan, if you get to the Sweet 16, which is a very unforgiving team, uh, could have an opportunity for a revenge game from years past. So that's that's one angle if FSC was able to advance that far. But you, you are not going to be able to just fix these issues overnight heading into the Sweet 16. So heading into 64, maybe. Couldn't agree more with, with Austin here. Uh, for me, I, I think this is, a, this, is a, this is a win for Florida State. Um, I don't want to call it an easy win just yet, but uh, uh, the expectation is without a doubt to win. Uh, but what I really want to see from Florida State is to use this game as kind of a, okay, we need to examine certain things in real time in a like live fire exercise almost 
uh, where where the game actually matters, not in practice, but we need to focus on the fundamentals, you know, not turning over the ball. Uh, you're going to hear that a lot. You've already heard it a lot tonight, folks, where it's like, we this this is the first and immediate thing that needs rectification. Um, nothing else has as much of a priority, you know. Uh, you can be sloppy from beyond the arc, but this team does not really suffer from that. Uh, you can, you know, lose every offensive rebound that you can you can care for, but you're never ever gonna win games off of 20 plus turnovers ever. I don't care <laughs> if your name is James Harden, um, even though he doesn't deserve that disrespect because he's actually been phenomenal as a ball handler <laughs> this year. You know what? Just just stop turning over the friggin' ball. That's it. That's all I got. It's that easy, guys. Just stop just, just turning stop it over. It. Just like, <laughs> You know, you're legally in basketball. It's very strange, but whenever you turn over the ball, you can just say no to the other team, and they legally have to give you the ball back. Right. It's why, one of, they, it's, why haven't they tried it's this? It's a secret cheat code. No it's one ridiculous. ever said it about yeah, it. No one ever does it. Gabe, what do you got for this first game? Um, <laughs> I'm still trying to <laughs> comprehend that cheat code that you just heard. It's a hack. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, man, we're all just jumping out here on a limb calling FSU would win. But uh, I think so, yeah. Do it. <laughs> I, I think it's it's just bound to happen. I think this team is too good to, to go one and done in this tournament. And, I mean, just think about it. Like, we went from – or not we, Florida State went from, uh, you know, being uh, potentially the number one seed and, you know, pr- probably when they won the ACC championship and this and that. And now we're thinking about maybe one and done. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, they won't necessarily go all the way or anything like that, but – I think there will be one more game after Saturday. Um, I think this is a good team to go against because they don't really shoot the three ball too well, and that's something that Florida State hasn't really been defending too well. So I think in that sense, uh, Florida State will succeed. Yeah, they are 30% from three, so that is definitely on the on the lower end. I was looking at each team's like major stats, uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, uh, rebounds, whatever. I was looking at that when I was filling out my bracket, and... Uh, this team definitely did stick out as one of the worst three-point te- three shooting teams that I saw, so that definitely could work in FSU's favor. Yeah, and I, I'm, we're going to go for the clean sweep here on the Saturday game. I got FSU winning. I got them coming out hot in that first half, okay. but then slowing down. It's like they always do. They always play really well in that first half, and then you just know that second half, it's going to be a significant – it's going to be a downgrade comparatively. So – I think the the big matchup obviously stopping Isaiah Miller. He's their number one guard. He's six foot tall, one ninety. He averages nineteen point three a game, and he's going to be one to look for. But once again, FSU's size is just going to be possibly too much for him. I mean, he might have to guard Scotty Barnes coming up the floor, and that's just a mismatch if you ask me. So it's a tough one for UNCG, but Knowles take the first one. And then this next game that they have, whether against uh, Colorado or Georgetown, as we're predicting. It's going to be on Monday. Yeah. It's going to be next week, a week from today, but we just don't know what time, obviously, yet because they haven't, they don't announce those sort of things. But it could be happening during this show, How which chaotic. would really, which would really suck because we have a lot of big games happen during our show this year and years past. So, do we? Uh, let's let's hold off on a prediction for that because obviously <laughs> we can talk about it once we get there. But I think we're actually bumping up right against the half, and I think this is a natural stopping point. We got a women's. FSU women's basketball breaking news. We've got a seed now. The we, seeds have come out. If you want to hear it, you got to stick around for the break. But we've got seeds. Like, don't tease. Google it. That's that's illegal. You can't do that. Cheat. Yeah, that's just cheating. Just like turnovers, <laughs> don't. Just like turnovers, just don't. don't. Do just do it. <laughs> but yeah, so you are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We'll be back in just a minute. Memory, oh, oh. Da, na, 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 na. What? 
kept you here? Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee. I'm your host, Gary Pundick, and as always, I'm joined by Austin Reynolds, Sebastian Angel Riano, and also in the show tonight, we got in the studio, actually, Gabe Tisnes, and then on the phone, we have Max Rundy joining us. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing great over here. We got some big news for FSU women's basketball. We just received word of their seeding for the NCAA women's tournament that will be starting uh, this uh, this weekend as well. FSU is a nine seed, and they will be taking on Oregon State in the first round. And here's the bad news. If they win, they play the number one seed South Carolina Gamecocks. Yep. We have completely (laughs) disregarded Mercer, but with good reason. Like, (laughs) Okay. uh, Sorry, Mercer, but let's be honest, South Carolina's a blender. I mean, that. well, hey, we said that about Virginia, and they lost to UMBC. And then they won the tournament the next year. They won the tournament next year. So we'll see how that goes. But either way, FSU, they'll be taking on Oregon State on uh, the 21st. So I believe that is Sunday. We do not have a time yet, according to NCAA.com. 7.30, Uh, 7.30? Okay, perfect. I don't know why the NCAA doesn't have that on their website. Great job, guys. (laughs) Either way, FSU, they 
Okay, they'll, they're coming in off a that rough game against Syracuse in the ACC Women's Tournament. Buzzer beater to take them down in the literal last second of the game. Yeah. How do you guys feel about FSU women's coming into this? I mean, obviously, I do not have the greatest read on women's basketball as a whole. Um, I, I'm very familiar with FSU. I know their weaknesses. I know what they struggle with. Uh, we love to say consistency, but just like being able to close games down the stretch, having having one score that you can rely on from game to game. Um, I, I don't have a read on Oregon State right now, but I, I would like to believe that with the time off, because FSU has been idle ever since... I believe it was two Fridays ago, two Saturdays ago. Yeah, it's ago. been quite a while. I yeah, mean, geez. Because, I mean, the, the downtime between the men's ACC tournament and the startup of men's March Madness is just a handful of days, but the women have been idle for the better part of a week. So they they may have a little rust. Oregon State may have a little rust as well heading into this tournament in the first round. I, I don't know what to expect, but I expect FSU to, to at least be competitive in this first game. Oregon Oregon State women's teams come into this game uh, being 5-1 and one in their last six games. Obviously, their last uh, game, they lost to Stanford, the number one seed in the Pac-12. They lost to them 79-45. to 45. I mean, Yeesh. it's it's crazy with the women's game how large of a disparity there is when it comes to the top, top teams like Gino Ariema's UConn, like uh, Sarah, like or sorry Stanford, and all the other great teams out there. But it's just so crazy how you have that large of a gap. It's you don't see it in like almost any other sport really across men's and women's. Yeah, like you can you can look at football and say that uh, Alabama's had a dynasty. Oh, there, I guess yeah, but, college football. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right with that actually. Yeah, no. but, I mean college sports. It definitely is easier because head coaches are usually installed there for a lot longer. You have a lot of the same. Uh, reputations i guess like alabama's been recruiting just beef or grass-fed guys for 10 15 years now and they will continue to do so until nick saban decides he's tired of it uh same can be said for clemson some of these other blue bloods that are popping back up but i mean yeah there is really nothing like uh gina oriema at uconn and the whole dynasty that we have here in women's college basketball actually some news on coach oriema from uconn he did test positive for covid19 he will be uh forced to quarantine for 10 days so he will most likely. Are, is UConn? I didn't see where are they in they, this tournament. They are, they are a number one seed. Okay, so they'll be miss. He, they'll be playing high point for their first game. So he'll be missing that first game because he won't be out till at least the twenty fourth, and so their first game is the twenty first. So he might even miss that second game too, depending on when they play that. So that's something to keep your eye on. Obviously, UConn women's basketball should be able to run itself at this point, yeah. or at least at this point in the season. So. Don't really look for an upset for high point. Maybe look for a cover if you're going to do that. So, I don't know. But either way, we can get keep moving on. Unless, uh, Gabe, uh, Max, you guys got anything on women's basketball? Uh, I mean, we know the limitations of this team going into the tournament. And, I mean, th- there's a lot of optimism in the sense that they, they managed to make it here after a really sloppy end, uh, end of the, not end of the year, but kind of mid-season drought. Um, so, props to them. I mean, they should be just happy to be here. And not, not in the sense that they should just, oh, okay, we got here, that's it. But no. just kind of remembering that at one point it was really bad for them and somehow they got here. So just kind of taking that in and hoping to bring that mentality into the game and hoping to, to come away with another victory. Yeah, you could sort of look at it like they're playing with house money right now. Because exactly. at, at the start of the year, I can't name too many people that thought that this team would be competitive without Coach Sue Semrau uh, mm-hmm. taking a leave to be with her mother. Right. And they have they have put themselves in a position to uh, maybe win a game. Obviously, South Carolina is a buzzsaw in that second round. I don't think any team is going to get or, uh, either team is going to get past them. But uh, I mean, obviously, like FSU is playing with house money. Like I said, expectations have been low, and they can shock the world. 
most dangerous team is a team that has nothing to lose. Yes. So that's something to keep just something to keep in the back of your head going forward. This time, at least in tournament time for every sport, uh, keep your eye on that. But let's jump over to some FSU baseball because they had a heck of a weekend, a bounce back weekend, another good bounce back weekend against another team from Virginia. This time, Virginia Tech, they take the series 2-1 just like they did the previous weekend against the University of Virginia. First game came out huge comeback win they were down by a few runs going into the later half of the game but then come back with runs in each of the last closing third innings and were able to get a 6-4 win one thing i noticed from this vt series watching on tv vt is going to have the largest crowd you see at a single university obviously the college baseball world series is going to have a large crowd just because they have a large stadium but as a tiny stadium like vt there were a lot of people there. And I don't know if that's something you guys took note of, but like they were, and they were rowdy too. So credit to them. They were having a fun time. Yeah, they were rowdy. The team was rowdy. I, I was actually not able to watch any of these games live, but just following the, the FSU beat on Twitter for these games, they were consistently talking about how the players for VT, especially later in the later in the weekend, were getting just up in arms. Like they were uh, saying stuff from the dugout, just trying to get under FSU's skin. And obviously that resulted in a, a 14 to 7 drubbing on Sunday, so not too not too good of a look for them. But just I'm really happy that FSU was able to kind of stick it to them, show them who's boss against a ranked team. Honestly. Yes, one of my favorite jeers from that uh, or jabs from the crowd that weekend was uh, with VT students uh, chanting "Who's your daddy?" at uh, Mike at uh, Mike Martin Jr.'s son Tyler Martin who had a heck of a day on Sunday with five hits and six at-bats, and that led FSU to a a tight, or no, sorry, not a tight one. They smoked VT on Sunday. That was the 14-7 game, but still, they smoked him on Sunday, and so that was a nice way to see. One thing, another big thing from that weekend, Parker Messick. Did you guys see Parker Messick? I did not see Parker Messick. Did you know what Parker Messick did on Sunday? I do not know what Parker Messick oh did on Sunday. Oh my goodness. Do any of you guys know what Parker Messick did on Sunday? I had to help my grandma move. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> I, you're excused. You have an excused absence. I, I don't. I, 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 I brought was, my I was permission slip, Gary. Parker Messick DH'd on Sunday. Really? And in Parker Messick's first at bat, he hit an oppo home run. Really? Through, oh, it was like 340 over the left field fence. Amazing. I mean, that. Feats of strength. <laughs> wow, I think there was there was one time during the uh, the previous series, the Virginia series, where uh, one of the FS, one of FSC's pitchers DH'd, and I was like taken aback by that. I can't remember the pitcher. Why Crowell probably? Why Crowell? Yeah. He even pinch runs. Yeah, yeah, does I mean, a lot of pinch running. But I mean, Messick is by by nature a pitcher, so it is really weird to hear that he did that. But just. FSU has a pitcher that can rake, so that's that's something to look forward to. It felt like a Bartolo Colon kind of moment there. (laughs) Do you believe in miracles? (laughs) It felt like one of those, but still, it was a really fun weekend to watch FSU baseball, but they got a big game coming up tomorrow night. It's the Florida Gators. They're coming to town. Something that doesn't happen too often, this Florida-Florida State series, for those that don't know at home, FSU plays a three-game set against Florida across the entire season, so that they play one game in the middle of a week, and then a few weeks later they'll play the Gators again, and then the last one they play or a third time later on in the season. But none of these three games are ever played at the same place twice. It's always once in Tallahassee, once in Gainesville, and once in Jacksonville, a quote neutral site, even though Gainesville is a little bit closer. Yeah. But still... Uh, this year, the Jacksonville game has been uh, booted from the schedule, and so it's only going to be Tallahassee and Gainesville. And for the first time in a long time, first time that I, at least I remember 
uh, first game will be in Tallahassee, and that will be tomorrow night against the number four, number five Gators. So this is going to be a really tough one. But Austin, do you got any thoughts on this going in? Um, just would love to see continued production from Tyler Martin. Obviously, he had the, the massive uh, performance on Sunday. Uh, people were kind of giving him some flack for maybe being a product of nepotism. Uh, that's something that was talked about when, when Junior took the job, but he has proven those rumors entirely wrong. He is deserving of this leadoff spot. He's, for my money, the best leadoff guy in the ACC. And uh, honestly, He's the best hitter in the ACC, yeah, the period. Best, the best hitter in the ACC. That's, no that, that's an honor we should give him. Um, I am just also hoping for no last-second cancellations because to this point, every single one of FSU's midweek games has been canceled so far or postponed, I think, is the verbiage right now. But we don't know if they're ever going to be made up before the postseason starts. So hopefully the weather stays nice. Hopefully nothing else gets in the way and we can watch these two teams duke it out. Yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, UF has been a little bit shaky on their midweek games this season. I was watching a little bit earlier in the season uh, their first mid or this is their second midweek series. They took on my FAU Owls from oh, yeah. Boca Raton, and the Owls uh, actually took it uh, to extra innings and won three two in Gainesville. So that was a huge win for the Owls there. And now the Owls, are, I believe, they're number twenty one in the nation. Florida boasts that on their website, even though they lost there. <laughs> uh, but FAU wasn't ranked when they beat them. They were unranked. They're now ranked. FAU's once again a solid, solid club and. There's a reason FSU doesn't play them every year because it would it would be interesting. I mean, they be I think they they smoked them last year in that uh, weird four, two team like weekend series that they had where Texas Tech came to town and so did the Owls. But still, FAU solid club and the Gators are <clears throat> actually they're uh, coming off a series win over the Jacksonville Dolphins this past weekend. They lost the Friday game ten to nine. Then they won nine nothing and then five two to close it out on Sunday. So. This will be a big game for Florida State and Florida State looking to get that winning streak started against the Gators. Something feels like also hasn't happened in forever between these two clubs because the Gators have dominated the Knolls for the longest time, from what I remember. Definitely, yeah. I was looking at the series history yesterday just to sort of try and form some narratives. FSU did win their lone meeting in 2020. I believe that was a, a 2 nothing win. Mm-hmm. But before that, I think it was eight straight wins for the, the Gators, so... Definitely not uh, not what I would have expected, uh, given the quality of FSU's baseball team in recent years. I mean, they've gone to the World Series however many times recently. Uh, 40 straight seasons with 40 wins plus. So uh, I don't know that that streak is going to be intact after this season, but maybe they can start a streak against the Gators, like we said. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see it when we get to that point. Obviously, tomorrow night, I believe that's a 7 p.m. first pitch at yes. Dick Hauser Stadium. It'll also be live on the ACC network if you have that at your at your disposal there. But let's actually, I want to give one more last shout out. FSU softball, heck of a weekend yes. too. They took they won their series two to one over the number two team in the nation, Arizona Wildcats. That was a huge series, and once again, uh, Josie Muffley still web gems at coming from the shortstop position like always. I mean, if you haven't seen that, go check that out on social media. I'm sure you could just find that on the FSU softball Twitter account. But they're, they're getting hot at the right time, and they're really proving that they're one of these top teams in the nation. So really good stuff out of Coach Alameda's team, as always. But let's jump into that uh, NFL free agent stuff, Yeesh. because that is the big story. Free agency started today in the NFL. But let's talk, let's you want to jump back to where we kind of left off in the oh, beginning sure. of the show? Let's We'd hear love to. Max. Or, Max, we'll bring you in on this one there. So Gabe is sitting in the fish tank tonight proudly wearing his uh, black uh, Drew Brees jersey. Signed, actually. (laughs) 
this is a uh, this is a house divided here. <laughs> I to, to say the least. I just moderate. I am just the AFC East watcher on the wall, just We're saying all like, like in a line, right? So if you think about it, it's like a conga line of hatred. I don't really, really hate special. the Saints that much. I've never hated the Saints to it like as much as well, you not guys. You, like not you. Cannot relate. Oh, yeah. about, I should have. I, I thought about it today because I was going to celebrate. You know, um, stuff that we'll talk about later and free agency moves. I, I thought about bringing in the net. Actually, if I run to my car right now, I have my Super Bowl champions hat. <laughs> please, right there. please don't. I'm gonna. We're gonna lock the door. We're gonna. I'm gonna find a way to lock that door, and it, you're not coming back in here with that dang thing I'm on. I'm the only one that's not repping. I feel naked. <laughs> Okay, you've you worn the jersey every week I wore, until this. Yeah, point. you wore okay, your, yeah, you wore, wore last it, week wore, to celebrate the one month anniversary. Okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, what is that? Come on, man. I'm wearing. I'm wearing. I mean, Austin can't relate, and you know, uh, Gabe was a toddler when he could relate. Okay. So, and then they talk about the Saints fans being toxic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, yes, yes, you are. You guys are all. Yes, you guys yes, are all toxic. Are. How about like, that? Uh, you guys are all that way, but still. Okay, I Max. had to do that because you had there was a bounty out. I just had. To oh do my it. gosh, bringing up the bounties, geez, here we go. But either way, Max, did you should Drew Brees have retired? Let's put it out that way. <laughs> I mean, seeing that he's led the NFL in like the shortest completion downfield <laughs> average in the past Max. three years, <laughs> I definitely think so. I, I'm gonna miss him. Drew Brees this is, is a one certified slant boy ever, moment. I would argue. Definitely not Tom Brady, and I, I'll miss him for sure. Hopefully, Jameis can come in and be even better somehow. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I respect Breeze a lot. I think he'll forever be forgotten amongst this era's incredible quarterback class and talent. But he leads in a lot of categories that, no matter how long Tom Brady's here, you won't pass him on. Yeah, that's that's exactly why I don't think he'll be forgotten. Exactly. Be- because because despite yeah. Just the one Super Bowl, the, the playoff chokes as of late. Every single national broadcast the Saints have been a part of have made sure to flash his accolades, say that he is the all-time leading passer, all-time leading touchdown passer, whatever. For well, now. For they, now. Yeah, the, the all-time leading slant passer. <laughs> like, <laughs> Michael Thomas helped those matters. But, I mean, he has been pumped up. Like, pe- pe- before this retirement tour, people were pumping up his numbers just to try and make up for that one Super See, Bowl victory. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I think you're you're disrespecting him a little bit. He is he is one of the greatest stat patterns of NFL history. Yes. Th- those seven and nine seasons where he threw for five thousand yeah. yards, those are just immaculate. That's that's really yeah. respectable. Okay, let's give uh, let's give uh, Gabe a uh, chance uh, to respond here. He, like you guys have dun- you guys dunked on him for three minutes just there. <laughs> All three of you guys. I I did none of that. I just that was a better slam dunk contest than the one we saw two weekends oh, ago. Man. I just love how we started off the show, and we were like, yeah, we got respect for this guy, and now we're just, like, throwing out all He the, is a bum! <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious, no. I mean, Drew Brees is an undersized quarterback from the second from the second round, not even a first-round top-10 pick. He came from Purdue. He, he came from uh, the Chargers uh, after, you know, five years of being okay and then getting injured, potentially never playing another snap, and then literally saving the Saints franchise after a hurricane. And then becoming the all-time leader passer, winning a Super Bowl, and leading the Saints to success for over 15 years. I mean, come on. I mean, your mileage may vary with your metrics of success. I can't really say anything because I mean, like, seven division titles in 15 years. I think that's it's impressive. I mean, he, he's he's More impressive. Than Tom Brady. 
in this division. Okay, Tom Brady's the go. You can't really compare Drew yeah, everybody to Tom it. Brady. That's like comparing everybody to Michael Jordan. What is success? Yeah, I there's yeah, you know, I no, I agree. I think no Drew Brees so much better. I've enjoyed watching Drew Brees over the past years. I really do believe he's done a great job. And the one thing that you can say that really puts it on perspective, I feel like as a Dolphins fan, I've watched more Drew Brees uh like record celebrations on primetime games. Then I've watched Dolphins play primetime games <laughs> over my. The, I mean, it's true. It's yeah, it's yeah, something that no. if, and all and it sucked every single time because every single one of those uh, records that he broke were one of Dan Marino's yeah. most of the time. <laughs> so that made it even that made it hurt even more there. But still, I mean, he's a heck of a quarterback. He's done a heck of a job his, over his career. So there's nothing that I would. There's nothing else I can really do but tip my cap and just say, hey, that was a great career. But now it's time for Taysom Hill. Sir, let's go. <laughs> What, what what were even the terms of that like quote contract unquote that he got? What was it? Four years, one hundred forty million. That is Correct. just he, he is not getting any but of that. But all money. of which is voidable. Yeah, it, it is right. all voidable. He's not getting any of that. It is just a means to navigate this just weird cap situation the Saints are in. But the fact they said, hey, we you're we're willing to pay you one hundred forty million, but we're not. Like it's, <laughs> it's like it's handing him out. It's like psych. <laughs> Sean Payton is going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that, that that contract is actually followed up on because he he, he is in love with Taysom Hill. And for no good reason. Yeah. And for no good reason should he be loved with Taysom Hill. I mean, Gabe, is Taysom Hill the future? Uh, we don't know. No, nobody <laughs> you, knows. I've seen nobody, him for the past three years. Is know. he the future? Nobody, nobody I mean, knows. He, he definitely has a bright future as that one meme QB that they trot oh, yeah. out for oh, yeah. one like clown play a game. Well, but Max, wait, Max, what do you have? Taysom Hill is very valuable. Oh, there we go. There we go. Not as a quarterback, but he's very valuable. Yes, he did way true. more than Gronk did all the regular season mm. when it came to pass catching. Mm. No doubt about it either. Like Hill is very fast, very talented. I think the Saints should have paid him and kept using him exactly how he is and then just groomed Jameis into what he should have been. Do you guys think that Max had – uh, Taysom Hill as his tight end <laughs> that one week in fantasy. My, my little brother did, and that was actually a very good play by they him. Did, he got like, a lot of points. That, that was smart. That won so many people so many different games. It was kind of... Oh, and I don't blame him for that, but Scott, Scott's running the V89 Twitter right now. Scott, tweet out the Jose Mourinho picture of him throwing off the headphones when uh, Max says <laughs> uh, Taysom Hill is valuable. I mean, no, no, no. He's. I'm, I'm actually going to back him up on this because Taysom Hill, as much as, you know, I just kind of was bitter about that. Um, the fact that you have a guy that you can go for a very specific uh, set of plays with, basically another a whole other playbook for, you know, third and whatever or fourth and whatever, we're going to go for it with Taysom type plays, that, that's incredibly valuable. And just having that, like, ace in the hole that you're not going to use every time, um, and you, you honestly might use even less uh, determining – this has yet to be determined based off of, you know, who's going to be the quarterback next year. If it is going to be Jameis or if it's going to be someone else. If it's going to be Jameis, then um, you might actually see it even less because Jameis is just, you know, not a million years old. Yeah, I was. So he, and he, he can actually throw the football, exactly. uh, you know, beyond 15 yards. And to, to whoever he's going to throw the football 15 yards, we don't we don't know. I don't think it, neither, did, neither did he. But LASIK Jameis is like a thing to be examined, a thing to consider. Um Taysom Hill is valuable. I don't think he's $140 million valuable. And those are, you know, I imagine that's laden with incentives. He's like, oh, yeah, you'll make $140 million if you go, um, if you have, like, 50 touchdowns in a year, uh, win the Super Bowl with one arm tied behind your back, <laughs> and uh, also somehow gain more yards rushing than Derrick Henry. I, I imagine those are those are part of the things, you know, part of the headline 
is 140 million, but like, I would say like you know maybe like 30 percent of that is just straight up incentives or signing bonuses, uh, you know things that don't matter uh, when it comes to the cap, and that's what you know the Saints care about right now. It's the cap. They are without a doubt in like the they're in the home stretch now, right? It's like yeah. only like seven million now. The home stretch is always the hardest part. So who knows who else they have to cap? Uh, they have to cut or restructure or just basically mortgage out another three or four years just to get get to the point where they can, you know, uh, sign their practice squad, sign their rookies. We don't know. There's there's a lot to work with, right, with the Saints, but it, it's just it's strange. Gabe, did you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, look, here's the reason why everybody hates Taysom Hill. You want to know what it is? It's because nobody knows what he actually is, and we've never seen something like this. We've exactly. seen something like this-esque before. Tim Tebow. Yes, but even he's a much better version. Exactly, of that. but but he can actually also play special teams and play all these other positions. We never saw Tebow get a chance. To, well, Tebow won. Tebow won a playoff game. He sure did. <laughs> so does this mean Taysom Hill can win a Super Bowl or two playoff hey, games? Look, I'm not gonna say no because he might have a chance next year. Who knows? Look, the point is he's like this hipster quarterback that nobody really knows because he's never been given a chance, and nobody wants to give him a chance because everyone's so scared of the unknown. And I think the problem is we don't I have know. No idea what you guys are talking about. It's not like, and like Taysom <laughs> he, Hill is he's not the backing up Taysom Hill Taysom, right now. I, like I'm, I'm going to back up Taysom Hill because we we like, like the you call them trick plays, but the plays that Taysom Hill like they needed him to execute worked most of the time. Yeah. Dare, like, how many times did the Saints turn over on downs last year? Dare I say? I say it, not a lot. Dare I say Gabe's willing to die on this hill? Look, stop. <laughs> this is the most cursed episode of Tomahawk Talk of the past year. It, it's been a phenomenal... Like, I've had so much fun this show. This is like... This is a bizarro episode. Yeah. It, I it's don't fun. understand. It's very fun. I'm but lost. Here, let's... Okay, let's get into... Yeah, we, let's get into some of the other teams and the other moves going on around the NFL right now. And in the background, you can slowly hear the Imperial March starting to play. <laughs> and with that comes a line of Patriots signings, and that includes tight end Jonu Smith, four years, $50 million, 31.25 guaranteed. Then they signed linebacker Matthew Judon, four years, $56 million. And then they signed Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver, and Kendrick Bourne to then help out their new or their second-year quarterback now for the Pats, Cam Newton. So the Patriots... Just keep getting, just improve. They they take their year off. They're ha- going to have all their players who said, hey, we're not going to play this year. They're coming back. They're probably going to get Kyle Van Noy because the Dolphins yeah. released him. And so he just gets that one-year rental from Miami. And then there you go. The Pats are back. It's just, it goes this way every single year. And I just, I thought it was going to be different. I thought it was going to be a downhill slide. I thought it was going to keep going downhill. But they're just going back up. It sucks. Yeah, the, the Patriots are not just getting back a bunch of second-string guys. They're getting back Dante Hightower. They're getting back Patrick Chung. These are big names that have been contributing on this defense for years. And then when you add Matthew Judon, who had a really great uh, few years in Baltimore, uh, Johnny Smith, obviously, to the offensive side. A lot of people thought they were going to go tight end in the draft. They do not really have to address that position in the first round now. They can just pick one later if they want to. Um, but, I mean, these additions are really, really valuable to this team. Uh, Max put in here that uh, over the past 10 years, the Patriots have spent about $360 million total dollars in free agency. And they are uh, in the first three-ish hours of free agency this year, they spent $140 million. So Bill Belichick is not he, – he was not really familiar with the idea of missing the playoffs, and he wants to get back there as soon as possible. He was just playing Moneyball. He's like, how low can I go with these contracts yeah. and still win a Super Bowl? And now he's yeah. like, okay, now, Robert, Robert, you've been making some money. Let's just go. Let's go all in now and start making 
Super Bowls. Just buy them now. Do you guys think that Bill uses the free agency machine or the trade machine? He definitely does. Oh. <laughs> and and because they always work with the stupidest trades too. And so he's like, oh, this is gonna work. And he just goes to he goes to Bill O'Brien. He's like, hey, you want to do this? And Bill's like, yeah, let's do it. And, and it's got to be an easy sell to the players too, because they're he, he can tell them, hey, we had an off year last year. You can be part of the Patriots dynasty 2.0. We got Cam Newton. We're gonna revive this MVP. Who knows? So maybe some players buy into that. Yeah. So this is this is not looking good. I mean, Max and Gabe is are the Pats back? <laughs> I mean, I, I I also thought last year they had a shot to. I did too. I was worried for the AFC East, and obviously that did not go as planned. But I mean, it was after so many players dropped out and things didn't really go their way throughout the season, and they still finished seven and nine, and now they have all this cap space. They're spending money like crazy, like they've never done before. And they're getting these players back. Another year with Cam. It, it sure looks like they might be back, at least for a wild card spot, especially with you know seven teams now going in the playoffs. But at the same time, I think they're overspending a little bit too much because these players, they're not that high caliber, and they're coming up really good years. And that usually does not go well with the free agents market these days. Yeah, I'm not bullish. On, oh, okay, Max, go ahead, Max. Go ahead, Max. I'll just want to add. Um, first off, no. They're just not. Okay. The Patriots like are it. never Let me get doing what they've, ever, no. what they've done ever again. But it's because the Bills are just so much better than them and because they're paying $14 million for a worser version of Taysom Hill. Cam Newton's washed. Oh my get this man goodness. off a of football field. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, buddy. But they have buddy. No shot the Bills, let alone the Dolphins. Nobody in the, in the NFC South is safe. Um uh, <laughs> No, I, I have to actually agree with Max here. Um, we've called Bill uh, Belichick many things over the years. Champion, uh, Emperor, uh, Sith Lord. But I don't think you can add Necromancer to those accolades. No. Um, like that that what that arm is, is not there anymore. Um, you can say any, everything about, you know, didn't have any help, uh, didn't really have an offensive line, and... It, uh, didn't have much of anything in New England last year. Hey, you're right, but um, Cam Newton didn't like. I'm talking specifically about his on-field, uh, you know, pedigree this this past year. Off the field, I've heard nothing but good things about Cam Newton and the New England Patriots organization. Bill very clearly loves him. Um, you know, everybody within the players and the the, the players have some sort of reverence for him. Uh, the coaches uh, find him very easy to work with, very dedicated individual. Uh, every time things went south, which was plenty of times uh, for him on the field, he was never like a, a guy to say, we just got to get better. No, he was always like, a, that was on me. I need to get better. I need to work on my game more. So I have like a, I actually have kind of a, a respect for him. I just don't think he's there, like physically uh, there by any means. Maybe, just maybe, this is setting him up for kind of a, a backup or a mentor QB kind of role. I think he would be very good. Kind of think, think Alex Smith. Yeah. Think, uh, think Alex Smith before, you know, uh, his, his, his leg was, was injured. Yeah. I, I didn't want to. I wanted to be a little delicate because I, I do have some respect for Alex Smith. But, um, you know, that's what he did in Kansas City. He was a phenomenal mentor QB, uh, backup QB. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely a move they could go to bring in a, a younger quarterback. Uh, I just think that they're going to stick with Cam Newton. Like that, that fourteen million tag is a little high for this season, uh, especially when you have to when you're shelling out all this money for free agents when you have to sign a rookie class. 
Uh, there's a chance they could like use some of the, the draft capital they've saved up to trade up into the first round and get like or, uh, higher into the first round and get like a Trey Lance or a, a Mac Jones or somebody. But I, I just I just think that they're going to stick with Cam. I, yeah, they'll stick with Cam, but I still don't think they're out of the question of getting a quarterback. Like I think Kyle Trask, he might be a fit for them. I mean, that would be a spot that it would just make sense in my opinion. But I mean. Uh, are they going? Do you guys, uh, Max and Gabe, do you guys think they're going to go in on a QB here uh, this offseason as well to maybe as a backup or to draft? It sure looks like it. I mean, they're definitely resigning Cam, but uh, it's short term. So, I mean, at some point they're going to have to draft somebody for the long term. And I, I think they, they have a good draft position to do that. So uh, it won't be anybody like, you know, um, Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. Hopefully, <laughs> that's what we're all, you know, crossing our <laughs> fingers for. But. Uh, I think that they'll get somebody, and it's it's uh, I, it's it's especially possible now. Max, I just say if I know anything about Bill Belichick and his experiences in the draft, he's going to take some random fifth round guy instead of taking the still available Mac Jones, yeah. and it's not going to pan out because Tom Brady was a fluke. Sorry, <laughs> but geez. statistically, it, yes, it you know, he's right. It doesn't work. You eventually have to spend the time and get a first-round quarterback, and this man refuses to do that. And he, does, he refuses to do it with receivers as well, which is why he's signing Nelson Aguilar. Great one year, but been pretty bad, I would say, outside of that. Yeah. I do he, like Kendrick Bourne a lot, though. He I did it with that would the, be a helpful piece. They drafted that uh, one wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, from Arizona State in the first round uh, a couple years back, sure. but obviously he hasn't panned out because – Brady doesn't do the best, at least in New England, he didn't do the best with straight-up deep threats like uh, Harry is. So, obviously, Brady's changed up his game a little bit. But speaking of Brady, because of the NFL uh, cap hit that has occurred, the NFL uh, salary cap has actually shrunk this year, unlike past years where it's just continued to grow and grow and grow. And Tom Brady decided, hey, I'm going to take a little bit of a hometown discount here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, shrink the contract down a little bit so that they can bring back some guys. And the Buccaneers decide to bring back Shaq Barrett. They franchise tagged Chris Godwin, and they're bringing back Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Barrett's on a four-year, $72 million deal, 36 guaranteed, and Grok's on a one-year, $10 million deal. So are the Bucks going to repeat now? Because I think when they first, when we were first ent- exiting the Super Bowl week and all that, and the Super Bowl hype and coming down a little bit, I think we're all saying, eh, they might not be there next year just because of all the cap stuff. But Brady does what Brady does, takes a little bit of a hit, and everyone gets back. Well, you, you can't understate, like, the... the Sure, Brady is a, a... You can't understate both elements of what makes this offseason work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, because it's a, it's a two-way street, you know. A quarterback can, you know, revitalize a, an entire franchise, you know, uh, get every pretty much everybody in that organization to go to war for him, at least die for him, um, and, you know, make the magic happen and, and enter glory that we haven't seen um, in my hometown in almost 19 years, or in 19 years. That being said, like... Um, you can't you can't understate like making all these deals work like the fi- the hard financials of, of the thing work without the general manager Jason Light, like that it doesn't it doesn't like that that I can't understate like how impressed like the turnaround that he's done he if you could do like a you know um, comeback player of the decade it's it's that guy because he goes from he goes from drafting a kicker in the first round 
to orchestrating one of the finest or, or you know, getting the pieces together to create one of the finest uh, offensive lines and defensive lines that I've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Like, those two performances were spectacular. Uh, now, repeating. Repeating is the hardest thing you can do in – in sports. In, the, in, in sports, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the NFL is no exception. Going back-to-back is insanely hard. Last person to do it was the, the quarterback for the uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when he was with the Patriots. Uh, no one's done th- – no one's three-peated ever. The best we've ever gotten was the Cowboys going uh, three out of four, I believe, in the 90s. Uh, so I think it was like a win-win-loss win or something ridiculous like that. Uh, doing that is insanely difficult, and I'm not going to – be confident in any by any means and say like oh the buccaneers uh will repeat no the buccaneers can repeat yeah. they can, have a great yeah. chance uh the the division has been blown wide open i think caroline is not developed enough atlanta's still figuring things out with management i think um mm. i haven't heard anything in terms of free agency out of atlanta like yep. nothing no, i know atlanta <laughs> just in the position that the falcons are in have not made any like banner banner uh, moves in terms of reacquisition or free agency, that's okay. And I still got things to work out, um, work out before the draft. And you know, the 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 next big thing is you know um, the Saints figuring out their cap space alongside with now a new quarterback question. So to wrap to wrap this up, like the the division's been blown wide open, but that doesn't guarantee you anything in an NFC that will see a ton of you know rework, uh, like a like a team reworks i guess where um the packers are still going to be there the um the rams are still going to be there the rams are my pick actually to win the nfc this year okay and like my way too early pick the rams because you now have a uh, a quarterback that you know has actually made it through purgatory and is finally now on a competent team with a competent organization and a competent management structure um and uh, an elite defense and yeah. defense wins championships yeah just, just to touch on your bit about the falcons uh there is an an image floating around i think it's a screenshot from despicable me where Gru was saying uh in terms of money we have no money <laughs> and, and, and there's a falcons logo edited on that uh we have no safeties on our roster they could very well be like, yeah like, i mean well i mean we might have like two two guys that are perennial like sex, practice squad guys yeah second or third stringers but no uh, real starters yeah like demonte kz keanu neal they're probably all gone they could very well be trotting me out at safety this year so <laughs> it, the prospects are not good but no. uh as far as the bucks just something really short on them definitely the right move was to pump the brakes uh, i was saying that right after the super bowl and i would still pump the brakes as far as the repeat is concerned but the hometown discount that brady is taking uh, to actually be able to get the band back together as he said uh, is definitely a step in the right direction, and they should be a force in the NFC for at the very least this year. For yeah. sure, Gabe, Max, any last thoughts on anything free agency? It could be the Bucks talk topic that we're just going on about, or any other moves that you saw, Max. Uh, I just like to point about point out about my Packers. We are also in the situation of we don't really have any money, but we were able to keep Aaron Jones, which I really like. But I'm also really worried about because there's such a small chance that A.J. Dillon just beats him this year, this upcoming year, and then we would have wasted $48 million for nothing. I almost would have rather seen us keep our center, Corey Lindsley, who was ranked, I think, by Pro Football Focus the best by the end of the year. But then again, I'm also not going to compete with the Chargers making him the highest-paid center in the NFL. I worry about the Packers. I always do. But if we could actually have an intelligent draft for once and help <laughs> Rodgers out a little bit, I think I think we'll be able to 
repeat our NFC championship run that we always go on. So you're not too keen, lose. you're not too keen on trading up for one of these quarterback prospects, huh? <laughs> no, I actually wouldn't like that. Now I would take one of the receivers, but <laughs> no, I don't want Lawrence what, at all. What a novel concept. Trey Lance looks good in green and uh, yeah. yellow already. We know that. So, I mean, it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, let's take two very small uh, college quarterbacks out of Utah State and North Dakota State. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. But, yeah, no, I was actually hoping the Dolphins were going to look into signing Aaron Jones because the running back situation in Miami the past few years has been arguably the worst in the NFL considering two years ago Ryan Fitzpatrick was our leading rusher. So, uh, yeah, I was hoping the Dolphins would draft him, but it looks like the Dolphins might be leaning more now towards picking a running back in the draft. It all depends on where they get one, but still, very good points about the Packers. I think that's all we got for this episode of Tomahawk Talk. We thank you for tuning in. We will have the podcast shortly up on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you can find it. Uh, we will be posting that like we did kind of uh, shortly after the show last week, but once again, thanks for Austin, Sebastian, Gabe, Max, Scott on Twitter. Great job tonight by all of us here. Uh, that's it for this show, and we'll see you next week. This could possibly be during a uh, NCAA FSU March Madness game. So stay positive, test negative. We'll see you next time.